I want to bring levity to people's lives. When people, you know, sometimes life sucks or sometimes things are really tough. People go through like tough relationships or people have stressful jobs, you know, for a few minutes a day, I want to add some levity. Thanks for tuning in to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where purpose drives our actions and our actions are a result of our purpose. When you have a strong enough purpose, every action you take in life has meaning and power to it. Every entrepreneur is on a journey to fulfill their purpose, and the world needs to hear it. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. All right, welcome to the Purposeful Story Podcast. Today we have Cabral Richards, also known as Cabby. Cabby takes a unique and fun-hearted approach to engaging in interviews with high-profile athletes and entertainers. He now has his own show called Cabby Presents, and he's interviewed many greats along the way, like Will Smith, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Aaron Rodgers, Will Ferrell, like so many more. Cabby, thanks for coming on the show today. Man. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Cabby, man, like you've come a long way, bro. I watch you from, from when I was a youth in high school. Appreciate man, when that. You were on, um, you know, the score from your early beginnings, man. How long have you been in te- a television host specifically? Uh, I started as an intern in 98. So this is year, this is 2018. So year 20, 21. Okay. I mean, it's 20 as far as the math goes, but like in 98 counts as year one. So it's like 21. So I, 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 um, made my first appearance on the score in the summer of 2001. So it's like year 15 for being on camera, but I started with like Tim McAuliffe, Sid Sixero, Adnan Verk. We all started at the same time writing scripts for hosts as, as interns at the score. Wow. And you look the same, man. Like, no, I'm just fatter. I'm fatter. I'm nah, fatter. you look the same. I'm being 100%. I, I appreciate it, but I, I know that you're being nice, Cody. So listen, <laughs> listen, we're all sensitive. We're all, we all got a little Kevin Durant in us. All right. So I appreciate you recognizing that in me and then just wanted to soften it up a little bit as we move forward. Yeah, man. Like, I think it's, it's a testament to what you, you really enjoy what you're doing. 1000%. You know I mean? And that's why I'm so happy to have you on this podcast. Um, you were born in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Right? Yeah, I was born at Mount Sinai Hospital. Nice, nice. And where did you grow up in Toronto? All over the city, man. We moved around like we were, you know, fugitives. I mean, I, I lived at like Martin Grove and Finch, Kipling and Albion. I was born at Don Mills in Eglinton. Lived at Jane and Finch, um, uh, Kingston Road in Woodbine. Uh, lived at um, Caledonian St. Clair, and then we moved to Cambridge, Ontario, when I was twelve. And I went to, you know, middle school and high school and then I moved back to go to Ryerson. I've been here ever since. So I'm Toronto through and through, my dude. Jeez. And what did you take at Ryerson? Took radio and TV. Okay. Arts, radio Makes and sense. So you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So right out of high school, is that something you wanted to go into right away? Like host a television show? Is that your dream? No, I wanted to be Will Smith. I wanted to be a combo Will Smith and Denzel Washington. And I just used to rip off Will Smith. I met Will Smith once and I didn't tell him that I owe him. It's like some significant portion of my developmental years and certainly my career. Cause I would just recite Will Smith jokes or whoever the writers were on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I'd be ripping off their material, trying to make girls laugh at school. <laughs> um, so that was, he was a huge influence, uh, in my life and Denzel Washington because he had so much grace and like power in his acting. And I'm like, Oh, like I, I can't, I think the first time I cried in a movie. Was like I saw the movie Glory, which was about like the uh, American Civil War. Yeah, and there he was. He was part of a infantry that um, 
was fighting for the North and he had this, he had a cu- couple of scenes and like one around the campfire and Denzel's like, I'm not much of a talking man. And then yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like 12 or 13 crying. <laughs> and then like boys in the hood, like when Ricky gets shot, this is all Jeez, before your time. Like, Ricky! And they just shot with what? <laughs> you know, and then like I, I was crying. I cried in Malcolm X too. So twice Denzel Washington made me cry as a teenager. Usually that's from getting licks from my parents is where I'd be crying. <laughs> or like, you know, Andrea wouldn't like respond to a letter that I left in her locker in high school. And listen, I come from an analog era. So, you know, we used to write letters to girls and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Then you want to let her back the next day and she wouldn't have time or whatnot. It's just like, you just felt that in your heart, my dude. <laughs> it was like she was an archer and the, the arrow was on fire. And she just like Jeez. left right into your, your chest. Right to mine. That's how I felt. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. So I, I want to be an actor. I want to be like those two um, uh, actors. And uh, but but so when I was in high school, there's a random guidance counselor, and like guidance counselors, I don't know they they make a nice living, and I don't know how effective they are. But for me, one random guidance counselor was like, "Hey, you should go to Ryerson. They have a great television program." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, I never really thought thought about it because I was like, oh, I want to go into movies." So. Um, I thought, okay, let me learn about the radio industry and television production, and maybe I'll use that as a backdoor into film. Never made it to film. Mm. Just stayed in TV, and I was like, oh, I love this. So, and just randomly interviewing college kids like yourself or Diego, that's where I started, like just doing the streeter segments, and I just go harass random people asking really dumb sports questions, and the segments really sucked for a long time, and then... The first one that people re- that really resonated with people was we just called it cabbie on the street hockey. Yeah, and I would just go to really busy intersections in Toronto. There was one at Young and Bloor. We went to the Rom. Went to like uh, King and John, and we just wait for the traffic to stop. And then I would just challenge like a random person, and I was wearing this really stupid like jersey, and I'd pl- we play up to one. And then my man D was the goaltender. Yeah, and that's how we started cabbie on the street hockey. Uh, and then from there, I got bigger opportunities. I went to Sportsnet for a few years and did a basketball show and a baseball show. And then went back to the score and now I'm at TSN. So it's been a bit of a journey, but originally I was like, I want to be an actor. And I found something that I could be creative in and maybe entertain some people. So I've been, I've been in that lane for over a decade, almost two, almost two decades. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's interesting your avenue that you went as well, because when you're a creative individual, when you like to talk to people, when you like to interact with people, there's so many avenues you can go. Like if you look at Will Smith right now, what he's doing on his Instagram murdering page. Inst- murdering Instagram. Like he's the Bro. best. Will Smith is the best. Trust me. Like he's just making the, such great content. He's doing a book with Mark Manson. Manson was a, the, uh, what was his book? I started reading it, but that I didn't finish. My girl ripped through it in like two days. Oh, the art of the subtle art of not giving a bleep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, he's like, they're in New York right now and they're like pitching this book to, to do together to a bunch of publishers. But what Will Smith with his family and just, he's so awesome. I mean, he murdered the In, my, in Your Feelings Challenge. Yeah, yeah. Shout out yeah. to Shiggy. But like when my guy did that on top of a bridge in like the Ukraine or wherever Trust they were, me. wherever he's filming, he's there, he's probably shooting a movie or something. Yeah. He did that. I was like, oh yeah, the challenge is dead. Like he's yeah. like, it, it went out on a, like on a peak. And then we'll eventually see, I feel like Drake, is shooting a video for that 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 should be like his next video and in fact Shiggy and Drake were on set like yeah, on both that. of their both yeah, their Instagrams yeah, yeah. they like, or maybe Shiggy Shiggy's like yo are you gonna give me that two fifty that you <laughs> that you promised me so I mean it's awesome that Drake's like listen Shiggy you are responsible for this authentic viral explosion of my song so let me put you in the video but like and then Will just does I you know. That just that dude just awesome. I know I just totally derailed the podcast. No, nah, no, nah, you're but good. I gotta give him. I gotta give him props. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. 
and you know it's it's a testament to to sort of you know where you've came now right will smith sort of a reflection of that you know what i mean thanks you well thank thanks to will yeah i don't know like it's benefited me i don't know if it's benefited anybody else like oh this freaking guy again like got enough (laughs) of this freaking guy why is it so close to people (laughs) i hear you now your internship at the score that obviously i'm gonna assume it wasn't easy to get into um you know i had a huge assist there was a guy at school named steph gagnon and he was a year ahead of myself and uh adnan verk and he was like yo they need bodies they need interns at the score and it just worked out timing wise uh we just randomly saw him at the at school and then he's like hey give me a resume so we did the next day and i didn't have much television production on my on my resume in high school i used to cut the um the year-end athletic banquet video and I would do like the football team highlight video. Mm-hmm. But that was like really my only experience with editing. And then, you know, when we were like 15, 16, 17, we would do these home movies. My friends, when my parents would take my brothers to baseball tournaments, they'd always go to Michigan and upstate New York. So I would have the house to myself for the weekend. Yeah. So then my boy, all right, let's do these. And we do like fake gangster movies. We did a fake Christmas. They were awful. Like if anybody saw them now, I'd be like, this is offensive. <laughs> Like, this is so terrible. The vault, the cabbie vault. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't, I don't think those tapes exist anymore. Thank God. Uh, but we, we would just, we would do these mo- movies in there like, I don't know, 15 minutes long. The editing was awful, but those are some of the reps that I was, that I was getting in, uh, to sort of inform what I would be doing later. Um, but to get the interns, I got very lucky because Steph, just that random day that we saw him at, at school, he's like, Hey, they need interns. Give me your resume. And then I think I probably got into the score because once we were there, half of the people, like most of the editors and the production staff went to Algonquin College. And the other half were like Ryerson grads. So when our boss at the time saw like, oh, you guys are Ryerson? I went to Ryerson. We're like, oh, okay, cool. So I think just the name recognition yeah. got us in the door. Or once we got to the door, helped us get you know, a seat at the table. Absolutely. So I know it's very difficult for other people. I just got very lucky, I think. And just my timing, that random day that I saw Steph, that, that helped me get that internship. And then Adnan, he was there for like six months and then he went to TSN and then he, I mean, he's a star. Um, but, um, we, we both, um, started there humbly at the score along with Tim and Sin and some other people that you guys may not know. Absolutely, man. And that's a testament. I always hear that a lot from, you know, people of your kind, you know, I mean, entrepreneurs who are, are grinding. These opportunities exist all over the place it's just a matter of you taking it by the horns you know what i mean and also you've put in your reps in time and time again so the universe is gonna hand this stuff to you you're just gonna grab it you know what i mean yeah it's i've been lucky in that regard i mean what's the line they say about luck luck is opportunity means preparation yeah and for that was an opportunity and i guess you know i guess i had done some level of preparation in order for a being a being at Ryerson and B having, you know, a little bit of a background in editing and stuff. So that helped. And then once I was there, I just created my own opportunity. There was that, you know, at the time there was a show on Rogers called, um, oh, Darren Jones and Mr. Mo used to do it. Oh, what the hell is it called? Um, they were doing like streeter segments also. Uh, but it was about like anything. Like they were just, you know, they go to Hyde Park or they go to the Toronto Islands. Oh my gosh. The Buzz. That's okay. what it was called. The Buzz. Yeah. Before two decades before six buzz. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Rick Mercer at CBC was doing a segment called talking to Americans. And, um, and then there was me. I like, listen, streeters are not, I did not invent that format, mm-hmm. uh, or that segment. Just at the time in Canada, Darren and Mr. Mo were doing this local show 
uh, I was at the score. It was, it was national and I was just doing kind of sports stuff. And then Rick Mercer was kind of, not kind of, but he was pointing out a lot of differences between Americans and Canadians. And Canadians were taking a lot of pleasure in Americans not knowing anything about Canada yeah. and generally being dumb people. <laughs> uh, certainly the ones featured in those segments. So I kind of found a little lane and then I've just been in that lane for a long time and trying to widen it for other people to come in the lane too. Okay. And how was it on your first day, you know, going to the score, like this oh, big organization first? How is it like? It was, it was pretty, like it was my first time in a television network. So I was like, and, but it was, it was random. It was in like in a hotel. Uh, it was a small operation, but it, um, at that know, time it was small. Yeah. Like, yeah. But wow. I mean, it, it had been open, uh, not open, but it had been on the air for a little, a year and change. Okay. Um, so then when I pitched like to do a streeter segment, it had been on the air for like three or four years. So they just needed content. And my segments were free. Like I was myself and my man, Brian, uh, who was a camera guy. He went to York. He had a camera. I was like, Hey man, let's just go try this. Yeah. The segment. He's like, okay. So then we just worked for free for like the first six months. And then eventually I was like, Hey man, can I start getting paid for this? And I get paid like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Every, every segment. It was like once a week on Sundays. Um, so when I first got there, yeah, I was like, I, I just kept my mouth quiet. I just, I just, was not the boisterous, gregarious idiot that you see or you're hearing right now. Um, cause I just wanted to like, I just wanted to play it cool and just, you know, soak in what it was like, how, how the lineup was produced, the inner office dynamics, who, you know, so it, uh, it took me a while to get comfortable, but when I was comfortable, then I was like, all right. Nice. I just like the full fledged me. And at that time, you know, you were young and you're interning. These internships, most of the time, they're not paying you that much. Right. You know, what were you doing to sort of, um, like what sacrifices were you making at that time to, to get through that learning period? Good question. I, um, we were lucky. We did get paid initially. We got paid 10 bucks, 10 bucks an hour. So our shifts were like four or five hours. You make it 50 bucks a shift. Yeah. And I also worked at HMV on Young Street. So nice. for some people, they may not even know what HMV yeah. is, but it's like a, a retailer of, DVDs and CDs and home videos and stuff. So my friend RT and I worked in the video department. Um, but, um, yeah, I was working. So I had, t- I had two jobs and then I was going to school and th- the sacrifices I made were like just not going out to party. <laughs> when I was, uh, doing cabbie on the street, uh, for the first, I'd say eight months or a year, I edited, I edited them myself. So I got a guy to teach me how to edit on the systems that we had at the score. So I would go in on Saturday night at midnight and one of the edits, which was open and that would edit till 10 o'clock in the morning. I drink like a two liter of Coke and I'd have like some microwave dinner to kind of keep me going or to go the the Coke just to keep me awake because of all the sugar. And then I just needed some food. So then Sunday I would work my regular script writing shift. So I would, you know, be like football Sunday or be like, you know, a bunch of baseball games, whatever it was. Um, so I always knew that there would be more parties. So when my friends were out partying on Saturday nights, I'm like, there's going to be more parties. Don't worry about it. Just work on the work. And it was a small sacrifice because I, I wasn't that big of a partier anyway. Also, when you're a student, you don't really have a lot of funds. Yeah. Like you're, you know, sometimes yeah. reading Mr. Noodles, well, the Mr. Noodles, two Mr. Noodles and two seasoning packs are pretty good. Like that's a meal. You know what I mean? Um, so that was a big thing was just like sacrificing the parties to get my career started. And, uh, it was a wise decision. Nice, man. Clearly. Thanks. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Worked out. Clearly. Now you have a really interesting, uh, interview style, man. Like, Thank you. Really it's annoying. 
I, I know. It's well, annoying. maybe it's not annoying. for the people watching, but no, maybe the people no. interview. <laughs> yeah, in the moment, for sure. For people, it is annoying. But I was also for people watching too. Like, why is it so awkward? Why is he making it so uncomfortable? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I do it. It's, it's just fun for me, I guess. And I mean, you know, you do it in such a unique way. You know, I remember there's one interview. Well, there's a bunch with Kobe. But there's one in specific where um the 2008 finals he didn't he didn't uh he didn't win the finals that year mm-hmm. and you interviewed him in his car and you <laughs> and you gave him a, a ring from the score as a replacement for the ring he yeah didn't win. that's right that's right I did yeah and Kobe's like he's like no man should give another man a ring and yeah and I was like wait but if David Stern give you a championship ring you're gonna accept the ring of course yeah. you can accept the ring you know what I mean come on. And then he's like, wait, he's right. And he took it anyways. <laughs> he's like, is this a ring for just being on the show like a number of times? Is yeah, it, yeah, yeah. But then I'll accept the ring. I was like, thanks, Cobes. I always made it like really, I was like, it took a while to get his trust. But once he, once I had his trust, he, he just knew what kind of segment it was. He's Absolutely. like, okay, I can let my guard down and just yeah. be, let this person be a clown. And then, you know, I can clown him because that's the kind of, I see that's his vibe. He's not really trying to clown me. It's just. No, no, but that's okay. But I wanted him to come because it's just an easier play. It's like, I'm not trying to make fun of the athletes. If they make fun of me, I think that's just more endearing. And it just puts them in a better position to win. Mm -hmm. Because I just want to entertain the audience. And I want want them to see these athletes as their regular selves. I mean, obviously, they have this extraordinary talent. And um, they get compensated well for this talent. But they're all just kind of regular dudes also. Like, We'll see random movies on a Tuesday night or they have, you know, they, they like to go on Instagram and, you know, double tap either photos of women or sneakers or whatever. I mean, you know, what, and when we hang out, it's just talk about restaurants, movies, music, just like just regular dudes for the most part, regular dudes, but just have extraordinary talents. Interesting. And how did you, how did you, how do you come up with this style of interviewing? Is this something you've always had in you or is this something you sort of plan? Like, no, man, it was just, it was just my regular self. Like, mm. uh, you know, just the way that I always was in high school, just very animated and extroverted. And, um, I mean, I'm not a comedian, so I don't have like, I'm not like witty like that. So I would, I would compensate with my performance. So I would just heighten my regular self a little bit on camera. And if I was, you know, something was funny or if I wanted to, I would just, I think I would just be more animated than my regular self. You'd amplify yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, In, in lieu of actually funny things coming out of my mouth, I would try to, maybe it's from the Jim Carrey school or Martin Lawrence school of performance. We were both very animated guys who I also absorbed a lot when I was in, High school in the show Martin or in Living Color and all of Jim Carrey's movies as or well. Or Def Jam comedy. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to see that many of those because I never got the bootleg tapes because we uh, lived in Canada. We never yeah, got to yeah, see yeah. HBO. We didn't have, yeah, I know. She just kind of like heard about it or like somebody would get a tape from their cousin yeah. in Maryland. So then we would be able to see it. But really when Martin was when he was on, he had his show on Fox is what really when I got the full Martin experience and he did like 20, 30 characters. Anyway, um, the style was just my natural self, just a little bit more amplified and i would i had no desire nor do i now to be like a traditional broadcaster sitting behind a desk and delivering the news or delivering the stories of the day that doesn't really interest or even reading highlights i'm like you know some people are great at it i don't think i have that skill set i like dealing one-on-one with people and i like to either uh put them on edge a little bit or make not intentionally make situations awkward although it might be a 
a fun viewing experience for the audience, but I want them to feel comfortable and want to joke around. Yeah. Because I want people to laugh and I want people to have a good time so that the people watching it on their phones or on their laptops, I want them to enjoy it as well. For sure. And you know, that's a testament to you too, man. Like you really got to be comfortable with yourself <laughs> to, do, to do some of the stuff you do, man. It um, also helps like when I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, wow, that is a fat person just this looking is- back at me. So like, listen, I'm not... If I was more handsome or if I was skinny, maybe my personality would be different. But I'm, I've always been chubby my whole life. So yeah. like, I'm not, I, I have a confidence in myself, but I'm not out there with a giant ego. Yeah. Like, yeah oh yeah. no, I'm the best. Like, no, no, no. I, I know my position on the, on the totem pole and it's near the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> Wait, no, the bottom is the, I feel like the top. I think the bottom is the more important part of the totem pole because it's the base, the foundation, wherever it is. No, listen, I'm in the friggin' garbage dumpster, dumpster in the park with the totem pole in the, in the foreground. Okay. That's where it is. Anyway, I'm, I keep these around. I'm sorry, Kobe. No, nah, man. It's, it's, this is who you are, man. Yeah. This, just a this donkey. I'm, uh, in, I'm Eddie Murphy's donkey in Shrek. This guy's kidding. In real life. Um, great podcast with starting from scratch, by the way. Thanks, man. Appreciate Excellent it. work. It Appreciate was, it. I, I don't, I didn't know any of his story and I learned like not everything, but so much about him because you're fun. Well done. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Um, now even like I watched your interview with, um, Larry King. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thanks. Wow. I watched your interview with Larry King and it's like, you guys are really both successful in, in your regard, but you're totally different. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. extremely different. Um, what do you think? Like, and, but at the same time, I see that guests are, that you guys interview are drawn to both of you guys. What do you think draw, makes you more likable as an individual? What makes wow. Larry King likable? Like, what makes you, you know what I mean? First of all, Larry King's a legend yeah. and an icon. And I, I shouldn't ever be in the same sentence with Larry King other than, yo, you were, you interviewed Larry King. Yeah, That's yeah, like yeah. the only time I should be in that <laughs> sentence. Um, Larry is very conversational and he asks very simple questions. They're not lengthy, like doesn't really give a lot of context. It's like, how was your childhood? What influence did your parents have on you? What did that situation mean to you? Like simple, short, yeah. boom. And uh, and then he just has this vibe about him where she makes people very comfortable. Um, with me, um, I think I create uh, an environment or a vibe so that people can let their guards down because I'm not trying, I'm not there with an agenda. So I'm not there to be like, oh, listen, um, this is your fourth concussion. Like, why are you coming back so soon? Or, oh, you just came off a suspension or like, um, you know, the trade rumors are swirling. Like, I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm, my job is to entertain first and then inform second. So whereas the other, you know, the other talent at TSN, like Bob McKenzie or James Duffy or Pierre Lebrun, their job is to inform first and foremost, and then maybe entertain second. J- James Duffy is awesome. He's also an icon. He can do both very, very well. Um, so I think when, when uh, athletes understand that, like, oh, okay, this isn't the standard type of interview. You guys have lost four games in a row. Like what's yeah, going yeah, on yeah. type of thing. I'm, I'm like, I once asked Wayne Gretzky, I said, Hey, Wayne, um, uh, are you a ha 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 guy or an LOL guy? Which is something that everybody with a phone can relate to. Mm. But I was like, man, how can I make Wayne Gretzky, who's like 50 something, uh, 
how can I equate his life to someone who's like 18 who's going to see yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. And then everybody's got a phone. So like that is the connection point. So I want to just know like a regular thing about Wayne Gretzky, who is the great one and certainly the most famous athlete our country has ever produced. And then he said, uh, oh, my son's here. My son can tell you. And I, Trevor, I, I can't remember what he said. And then I said, are you much like, how, how's your emoji game, Wayne? And he goes, I don't even know what an emoji is. I'm like, yes, you do. I'm sure you've used emojis. And then we just kind of spoke about his phone. So when I'm talking to guys, I want to know about their phones, the, the group chats, like, you know, what, like some of the, fo- like I was in a group chat once with some hockey dudes. It was vile. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, I'm like, <laughs> There were just, you know, you know, sometimes like on WhatsApp, like the photos get saved to your camera roll. Yeah, it? yeah. So then one of my girl, I'm just like, oh, and, and you know how you girls would do this? They'll be like, oh, can we see the, I want to look at me, look at the pictures from us, you know, like yesterday at dinner. So then there's like girls are sneaking, my girl does this. She just like the, the speed in which she can zip through your photos, <laughs> like past the ones of you and her, just to see what else is on there, my dude. Like Drake, like Drake says, she don't get upset if she keeps swiping to the left or she yeah. scrolling to the left. So, but there are times where there's just like stuff on my phone. I'm like, I have to go through and manually delete all. And then I just say to guys like, fellas, man, like, first of all, where do you find these photos on the deepest recesses of the internet? And why are you sharing them in our group chat? So anyway, so just like, re- like, you know, random things, um, during, during, um, sorry, ran, I like to try to connect the audience with these athletes who they revere with common things mm-hmm. during the, uh, Raptors, um, playoffs this year, they, they opened the playoffs against Washington and I was getting some sound bites or getting some clips from some of the Washington guys. Um, one dude, uh, he said, yeah, we went to the hockey game yesterday at the, the Capitals opened the playoffs playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I was like, had you been to a hockey game before? Like, no, I've never been to a hockey game. I'm like, not even in your own building in Washington. Said, yeah. He goes, but the Air Canada Center was way louder. I was like, wow, that's like amazing. Excuse me. Another guy, I said, well, listen, man, you're here for like a few days. It was April. The weather was kind of crappy. I'm like, what'd you guys do? I'm like, oh, man, we went to the mall. I'm like, which one? He goes, we went to Yorkdale. We went to Square One. We went to Eaton Center. I'm like, I guess like you got to be low key. So when you go to another city, like you're not just going to eat all the time. You got to, you know, got to do do things. And then after you work out and thing, and it's like, you have the rest of the day to kill. Like, so we just did, went to the malls. I'm like, that's what I would do if I went mm. to a, another city and I had like so much time to kill. And then they went to see a movie. And I said, like, what'd you guys see? And he goes, a quiet place. Have you guys seen a quiet place? Nah. It's an excellent thriller. And then one dude was like, man, I don't really like it. And he goes, my other teammate, he didn't really like it. But one guy really liked it. I was like, so we're just talking about movies, like regular dude things, regular people things. Uh, and, and, and just sort of, that's just an example of, the kind of content or the kind of conversations I want to have with these guys just so that the audience will be like, Oh yeah, like I've seen that movie. Oh yeah. I like that movie too. I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I didn't like that movie or, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I avocado toast. That's what this person's eating now. Yeah. I'm into avocado toast. You know, that's what I was talking to Josh Donaldson the other day and I, who I was thinking about on the way over here. And just, I was going to message him just to check in. But the last time I saw him, we were in the Jay's clubhouse, just him and I for like 15 minutes before a game randomly. And he, he was, he was out, but then we were talking about, like just him getting back to 100% and stuff. I'm like, guy, you're, you're probably like, like because you're just eating avocado toast and cherry tomatoes and quinoa all, all day now, like you're probably going to be back uh, a little bit stronger. And he started laughing and goes, yeah, cause his girlfriend is like into this holistic medicine and she's like a very, like really super healthy, clean, gluten, vegan lifestyle. And I've seen, 
you know, obviously when you, you're dating someone, you, you absorb some of their habits or whatever. And his, and his girl is like this, um, very healthy person. So we were, we were laughing about that. Anyway, sorry. I'm just, I got de- I de- derailed again. I went off the rails <laughs> and into the friggin' ditch. Um, and I can't even remember where we started somewhere with Wayne Gretzky, but that's, uh, hopefully I answered your question. You did, man. You did for sure. <sighs> just what a donkey. <laughs> you got so much energy in you, man. Like I love it. It's, it's just. Because you're the first people I've seen. You're the first person I've seen today. So oh, really? I'm like, oh, you're getting all of it. <laughs> and then by the time it's like eight o'clock, I'm like, I need to sleep. I need getting to- a fresh dose of cabbage. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Nice, man. Now you've had tons of interviews. And you, you mentioned already, like all these, you know, notable people you're interviewing, they're just regular people. But is there any time where you've interviewed someone and you were just like starstruck? Oh, 1000%. Um, first time I met Michael Jordan, I was starstruck. And the, the only times I've ever seen Michael Jordan, uh, or spoken to him rather, I was like nervous. I was like, this is Michael Jordan, like this guy. And you mentioned the Larry King interview. Yeah. We, we spoke of Michael Jordan versus LeBron James before it became like the last great sports debate. And maybe, may, actually, may, I don't think there used to be like Messi versus Ronaldo was in there. But since Ronaldo had a, even though they went out both in the round of 16, Ronaldo had a much better showing at the World Cup. I mean, yeah. the hat trick in the first game, like yeah, it was yeah. gross. That one free kick was disgusting the yeah. way the guy bent the ball. Um, so that was once like a great sports debate because me- like, I think Messi's won more golden boots than Ronaldo. And I think Messi scored a few more goals in his career than Ronaldo. But anyway, so LeBron and Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. So on, uh, Mike Tyson, I got to interview Mike Tyson and I'm older than you. So I remember Mike Tyson as a fighter, not just like, a person with a tattoo on his face who's yeah. like in the hangover movies who's like kind of funny. Um, so being at his house was like, whoa, it was, it was amazing. I mean, he doesn't live in a mansion, he lives in a really nice house, but I was like, I'm in his home. And then just looking at him in the eyes and he was one of the most intimidating athletes in the history, history. of time. Yeah. And I could see, and he didn't look at me like with any kind of aggression, but I could just, when I looked in his eyes, I'm like, whoa, I could feel like how he would psych out his opponents just by staring so deeply into them. Because eye contact is like a very intimate thing. You know what I mean? Like you can't hold somebody's eyes like a stranger for yeah. like a, unless it's gonna it's gonna become something because it feels a little bit uncomfortable. Uh so those two for sure. Uh first time I met Will Smith, I was I was like uh I was pretty nervous. Will Farrell, I was nervous. There there are a few people that um you know, and, and I still want, and there, I have like a Mount Rushmore people. I still, and David Beckham was another who I was like nervous. Like David Beckham is like very handsome. And he's like, he's like David Beckham. Like he is a global icon. And he was super chill. Very, he's very nice and uh, friendly and everything. Uh, and, but I have a, so I have a Mount Rushmore right now of like athletes I want to interview that I never have. And, you know, or, or people. So I would love to interview President Barack Obama. I'd love to interview Oprah Winfrey. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. I'd love to interview, um, I'd love to interview Cam Newton or Russell Westbrook. I don't know if I would have the same feeling like trepidation or reverence for those final last two, but they're so talented and like kind of misunderstood. And I want to make Russell Westbrook laugh. Like you don't see him <laughs> laugh that much. Like he smiles occasionally. You know, when, when reporters brought up that Kendrick Lamar referenced him in a, in, uh, the heart part two, he said something, now let me introduce you to Westbrook. Like that, it's a huge coastline. Trust me. And then Cam Newton is like six, five, runs like a gazelle, just so talented. Style game is like, I mean, he's trying some things, but I want to make Cam laugh. And, and obviously the other three, uh, Barack Obama, 
Oprah Winfrey, Cristiano Ronaldo are also icons and I'd love to, and I, I would probably have a, a little bit of like a, I have to catch my breath a little bit because I'd be in the presence of greatness and that would like make me nervous. You know what would be interesting? Seeing you interview Kawhi Leonard. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to, and I, I want to make Kawhi laugh too. That, it's going to be hard. I had a friend leave me a, a voice in the mail the other day. Cause if you can make Kawhi, if you can have Kawhi say more than three words in an interview, I, you are, you are the goat. And I'm like, okay, that challenge accepted. And, and like, and, uh, you know, there, there will be like the media day sometime in October. The, the NBA season starts like mid October. So there's like a day where everybody, all the outlets get to come around and the players. And the last time I, I interviewed Kyle and DeMar together, they like crushed a, a cake in my face. Uh, but it would be in that setting. And I don't know what I, I have no idea what I'm going to bring for Kawhi. I mean, they call him the claw. Maybe there's like a Michael Jackson glove in there. Or maybe I go something totally different. Like maybe it's a certain, like maybe I just bring him comfy slippers or like flip flops. Cause he's got a thing with his quad. Or maybe I just bring him like the Bruce Lee, like stimulus. He had, Bruce Lee used to have like this, like this, um, methodology to like either uh, engage his muscles. He would like put these probes on his chest. So he'd be sitting there, but they'd be like, be sending electric pulses. So it would, be, it would replicate him doing pushups. And Bruce Lee was like 2% body fat. I mean, the guy, the only fat on his body was probably his earlobes and or his <laughs> lips. I mean, Bruce Lee was so cut. Um, so I don't know, maybe something in the, I don't, I don't know yet. Kawhi Leonard. I had some Kawhi. There's something about his name, Kawhi, that I can, there's a play on Kawhi Leonard. Leopard, maybe there's something in animal. I, I don't know. I'd have to do like one of those, um, thought bubbles. And then, you know, you, it's like, yeah, the th- there's the word in the middle and then the yeah. associations and stuff like that. My, 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 and you and I will brainstorm, but we'll come up with something for Kawhi. I'm, I'm, I'm so interested to see that, man. <laughs> Thanks. You're probably the only person right now who could get a reaction out of Kawhi. Like, we'll see. If- I mean, sometimes, listen, sometimes the guys are in bad moods and, I used to take it personally when I didn't have a good experience with someone, but I, that was me not thinking that these athletes are human beings. Like the day before they get to the arena, they could have a fight with their girl. They could be like, Oh man, my back is sore from whatever. Or like I have this nagging cough and I can't take it personally as someone in the media. Like, Oh, I didn't have a great experience with that person. Um, cause I, so I always remember like this, this person is a human being. And sometimes they just not, it's just not in them or sometimes they just don't want to play around. They just want to get, get through it. Um, so that's, that was something I, I, I learned, um, a long time ago and it, and it's, it stuck with me. And then eventually I, I changed my, my thought process. Like, oh man, I got to treat these guys, not like these robots, but like as human beings. So, um, hopefully when I do get to Kawhi Leonard, he'll be in a playful mood, which will only help, um, the experience, my experience in interviewing him and then the audience watching it. For sure. And make that experience good for him, man, so that he can stay in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, you know well, I mean? yeah. Listen, one one dinner out with Drake. If Drake mentions his name at the concert with Migos, and I'm sure he's gonna he say something about Demar Derozan. Um, but you know, if he, if he just says like a welcome, and it'll be on you know seventeen thousand phones, like whenever he's gonna start addressing the the crowd, and that'll get to that will buzz on Kawhi's phone because someone will send it to him. That'll like warm his heart. But like one night, Drake is our X factor in Toronto. Really? One night out with Drake or one dinner, like, yo, come by the house. I think that'll, that'll change a dude. Or maybe Drake will just have a team dinner at his crib. There used to be, I don't know if it's anymore, but the owner of the, uh, one of the uh, minority owners of MLSE, Larry Tenenbaum, he used to have the Leafs and the Raptors over at his house before the season started. Cause the seasons were pretty, pretty close together. So the guys would meet each other. But he would have this dinner at his home. And like, he got, like, Larry Tenenbaum has like a, uh, a, 
a parking garage like that goes under the gra- so the cars park into the earth wow. like it goes like park boom and then so it's a drive in and then it there's like a, a platform that stuff. yeah that that lowers the cars into like an underground park in his home yo so that's where guys would park and I don't know how many cars he's got how many how many car pads he's got under his house but that's where players would park the cars that's crazy anyway so if Drake had one of those for the Raptors I think that would that would be like a good bonding thing and, and reset everybody because DeMar leaving is a huge void for the Raptors alright man so what's next for Cabby um, what's next for Cabby man I'm trying to um, I'm trying to be a legend and I just want to I'm in this lane where um the only person I can think of is is Bill Simmons, who merges sports and pop culture. He has this great podcast on the Ringer Network. Did you listen to the Denzel one? Of course I did. Nice. Of course I did. And I was just like, I would just listen to the whole conversation with a smile on my face because I revere Denzel Washington. And um uh, so, so anyway, so I, I still, I still have some work to do in this lane. I want to write more sketches. When I moved from the score to TSN, in my mind, I was like, okay, I want to, I need to differentiate the content that I did in both networks. I want to write more sketches. And I'm not a writer, so that's a challenge for me because I'm not a comedy writer, but I've written some sketches and haven't been able to like shoot them or film them. I wrote one for Kobe and he loved it. We just never got around to shooting it, unfortunately. I wrote a few, uh, for Aaron Rodgers. I've written them like four or five and, I just haven't been able to shoot them. Uh, so, um, and I really love what, and it would be amazing if I could do this someday, but I really love I, what Jimmy Kimmel does, James Corden, Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon. Like I love the Samantha B. I love sort of that late night format. And we don't really have that in Canada. I don't know if it's the infrastructure or if it's the population, but we haven't had like a late night show since I think Mike Bullard, excuse me, I've done one. Actually, well, I guess Rick Mercer. No, I guess Strombo. Strombolopoulos tonight wasn't a late night. Sh- no, his was more of an interview uh, show. I would like to do some some version of a of a late night show. Um, That's stressful. Or a variety right? show, not variety where I, like people are like singing and dancing because I'm not like Martin Short, who's a comedy legend, and I can't just sing and dance. I I you know I'm more of a more of a performer. But I want to do more sketches, man, and try to create a lot of the content that, like, you see people on YouTube or Instagram. Rudy Mancuso, I think, is awesome. What they're doing on All Deaf Digital is amazing. Um, there's a guy named Melvin Gregg who I think is so funny. Um, yeah, I want, I want to, I, I, lo- I want to emulate those four or five, uh, late night Trevor Noah, although Trevor Noah doesn't do sketches. He's a great, comic and a late night host, but I want to kind of be in that lane. Yeah. I mean, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock and, uh, Keegan, Michael Key and Jordan Peele, they just crushed that format with the sketch comedy thing. Obviously Saturday Night Live is the, is the legacy brand. But when Chris Rock had his show, Dave Chappelle had a show, Jordan Peele had their show, that stuff was amazing. I'd love to do stuff like that, but I want to do it with athletes and they're not natural performers. They're not natural uh, actors. So it's harder um, but when people, when they are successful, then it's like people are like, oh man, that was really great. Aaron Rodgers did a bit, um, with Danica Patrick at the ESPYs where she did a, a riff on I, Tanya. She called it me Danica and he played her boyfriend and she, he's her boyfriend in real life, but he was awesome. And I think his comedic chops are so great. And I'd yeah. love to do a few sketches with him. Nice. nice. Thanks, man. Now I want to, 
I want to ask you a top five question. Okay, yeah. But it's not going to be the generic top five Okay, question. I love it. So if you were to put, have you played trampoline dodgeball before? No. Okay, have you heard of it? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like slam ball, like your yeah, dodgeball. Okay, exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. It looks great. So if you had to put a trampoline dodgeball team together. Excellent question. Of all sports, of all athletes, any genre, five players, who would you, who would you pick? Well, I'm going with pitchers. I'm going with pitchers or quarterbacks. So. I'm going to go Michael Vick, Aaron Rodgers, Clayton Kershaw. I need another lefty. Um, ooh, uh, yeah, Clayton Kershaw. I'll go, um, ooh, a lefty. Hold on. Um, the brain's working. A lefty. Um, let me think of a, uh, ooh, okay, those three. All right. So no, okay. So. So no, I have two lefties. I have Kershaw and, and Michael Vick are lefties. Uh oh, this is great. Okay, I need I need like agile. Oh my gosh. Now I'm thinking of I'm thinking of mobile. See Cam? No, I wouldn't say Cam because Cam's too tall. I need like a short guy. It's like I need like a a Marcus Stroman type. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll put him on 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 the squad. And then a fifth. Uh ooh, then a fifth. Okay, let me okay. Um a healthy Deshaun Watson. Okay. That's my five. That's a solid squad, man. Thanks. Who's on your five? I'm going to go with first. I'm going to go with Ken Griffey. Okay. Okay. Also a lefty. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause he has that baseball. He has a baseball aspect and then he has a football aspect. Um, I'm going with Westbrook too because that man. <laughs> do you is, think he could throw a, like, I think he can do anything athletically. Fair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Westbrook is a savage. Um, I am going to add MJ to that squad because I think MJ will relentlessly just put in any effort. But it's dodgeball. Like you have to hit the opponents. I don't, I don't care. I'm just, okay. I just, I'm putting my, my, my squad's going to be your squad for sure. I have guys. Are, I, I'm right. not even done. <laughs> my squad's still going to be your squad. I've got to throw 90 to a hundred miles an hour each dude. But it's a dodgeball. It's different. And you got to think of the size of these people's hands too. Man, dodgeballs aren't that big. That's like the size. It's like a volleyball. It's basically a volleyball is what you're throwing. That's not that bad. That's not that bad. Even Strowman can throw a volleyball with, with speed and curve and some kind of backspin. No, not backspin. You don't want backspin, but some kind of curve either way. Keep going. I'm going to throw in, uh, Rajon Rondo. His hands are ridiculously huge. Okay. And he has crazy court vision. Right. He does have high. He also has a very high IQ just as a human. Yes. Yes. Um, hmm. I still, my squad still beats your squad. I mean, Michael Vick is like, he's going uh, to be there at the end. I'm going to throw in, I think I'm going to throw in Nate Robinson. Nate, okay. I'm going to throw in Nate Robinson. I like, okay. Because of his height and yeah. he's extremely quick. Right. I'm going to throw in Nate he's Robinson. He's very athletic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like that. My squad's still going to win, but I like I like those last two picks. <laughs> we'll do a simulator. Sure. sure. I wish you could. <laughs> As a business owner, the more you can leverage your time, the better it is for your company. There is this amazing online resource called Fiverr, where you can hire someone for just $5 to do just about any task for you. Whether it be logo design, market research, videography, or website building, Fiverr has it all. Please go to imkobe.com forward slash resources and click on the Fiverr icon to make an account. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Purpose Round, where we ask our entrepreneurs the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind their business and their entrepreneurial journey. 
So, Cabby, what is an everyday habit that adds value to your purpose? Um, uh, this isn't every day, but I, I see it every day. So I, I have like a list of goals that I put on every mirror in my house. Um, it's got maybe six or eight items on it. And it just, whenever I see it, it just subconsciously or even consciously reminds me of what I want to do every month. And I, I got this from Arnold Schwarzenegger who said, when people set goals, they need to set goals, quantifiable goals. People are like, I want to be a better person. or I want to lose weight. Schwarzenegger's like, okay, you want to lose weight. How much weight do you want to lose? And when are you going to do it? You're like, oh, uh, I want to lose 10 pounds. Well, 10 pounds what? 10 pounds this year, 10 pounds this month, 10 yeah. pounds in two months. So putting quantifiable um, assets to the goals then helps you um, to reach them. So it's not a daily thing that I do, but I see them daily, but it's a, a monthly thing that I do. Every time you look at yourself in your house, you're seeing Yeah, and so then there's the single tier and sometimes there's two tiers, but then up at the top of the mirror, I see this list. Nice, nice. And what is your purpose? What I, is Cabby's purpose? I'm here to entertain. It's not a very sexy answer, but I want to bring levity to people's lives. When people, you know, sometimes life sucks or sometimes things are really tough. People go through like tough relationships or people have stressful jobs, you know, for a few minutes a day, I want to add some levity, just like change a little bit of someone's temperament or someone's um, mood with just a little slice of like, oh, that was weird or that was funny and just a little bit of relief. And then they can just go back to whatever they're doing before. There's just like, that's, I just know that I was here to, to entertain people in whatever way that I can and whatever way that I can best um, express myself and hopefully people connect with that. Okay. Now you may have had this conversation already, but if you could have a conversation with one person living or dead, who would it be and why? Hmm. Can I, can I speak with someone from the future? Yeah, for sure. Living, I'd like to speak with Neil deGrasse Tyson or President Barack Obama, but in the future, maybe one of their grandkids because their grandfathers were so important in the eras in which they lived. Neil deGrasse Tyson is probably the most famous intellectual right now, him or Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. And although they would never say that about themselves. That's just me saying that. Yeah. Um, and Neil just has so much information about the universe. And I tried reading his book. I got lost in the first four chapters of quasars <laughs> and like, the elements of protons, like these are single Crazy. cell, uh, single cell, uh, I don't want to say organisms, but these are single cells and like they're like breaking down smaller versions of those single cells. And then, uh, Barack Obama knows where the aliens are. Like he knows where the aliens are. Right? <laughs> that's like, that's an interesting. At one fact. point, like at one point his hair was brown or was black and then it was gray. <laughs> that's what, like, it happens every president, like, you know, take me to see the aliens. <laughs> and then like, whoa, that's when their hair changes. <laughs> And then, you know, obviously, uh, President Obama has just so much worldly information. He's an intellectual. He's very eloquent. And just to spend, like, if I went for a hike with uh, President Barack Obama for, like, four days, say we went to uh, climb Mount Kilimanjaro. That's, I believe, my friend Adam Vancouver did. He said it takes, uh, takes six days to climb and four days to climb down. So if I was on that trek with him, I would just learn so much. Uh, but it'd be interesting if their grandkids... Um, what the world would be like or their perspective on the world having their grandfathers 
nurture them and obviously their parents nurture them and just what the world is like in, I don't know, 60 years. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I'm around then. I will be around because with science, stem cells, I'm getting a whole bunch of stem cells. <laughs> And, uh, and cannabinoids. Nice. No, they're not. Is it called cannabinoids? CBDs? Whatever CBDs are. The full. Um, yeah. So that's who I'd like to speak with. Sorry. That was, this is supposed to be like the wrapping round. And I'm like, nah, it's all good, man. 19 minute friggin' answers, <laughs> which are like 17 pages of text bubbles. <laughs> nice, man. It's, this is great content for sure. What is your main strategy for organizing your day? Oh, man. That's terrible. I'm always late. So I don't have, really have a great one. Um, <laughs> I don't have, I don't have a good strategy because I, I check my phone. I'm like, what's going on? So I go on, I go on Twitter because I'm like, oh, what's going on in the world? What do I miss? And then I'll just like, oh, let me eat some candy. So I go on Instagram. Like, why am I doing that? <laughs> I should be reading. I mean, t- Twitter's great for information, but I should, my friend RT does is he says he doesn't respond to emails or look at his computer for the first hour just to get his mind right. And I just, I like being connected. So I want to like, oh, I, I want information. It's like, these phone companies have hacked our brains. <laughs> they, they just like, it's, they're, these machines, these phones are perfect machines. They've made it so easy for us to just scroll. Access through. information and for us to just eat candy and just have our brains just have nothing. All the information is on our phones. So like, what's in our brains? Nothing. We just rely on our phones. I had to use Google Maps to get here. I'm just a saga. I live in North New York. Why am I using my phone to get to Sheridan College? <laughs> I could just use the street signs. I shouldn't know how to navigate here without my friggin' phone, but you know, here we are. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I agree. I agree for sure. They, they have us. They have us. They really do, man. What would you say was your worst, um, entrepreneurial moment and what did you learn from it? Oh, uh, worst. Oof. Um, I probably made some, well, not probably. I made some bad decisions like internally at the score and. Uh, TSN, just like sometimes, I guess, I guess without getting into it too much, I am in the forest too much so that like I'm always just kind of navigating through the woods as opposed to being like a drone and seeing the whole forest. Sometimes I just get caught up in the woods. So then little things, I get caught up with little things and not look at the overall big picture where a yeah. drone can look at the whole forest. So. Um, that would be, I made a, those mistakes a couple of times without getting into too specific. But what helps you, um, look at the whole perspective? I, I just have, sometimes I just have to just be, remain quiet and just like take a few 15, 30 seconds to just like sit there and not react or respond. And then just calm myself down. Like, okay, all right. Think of this, try to remove your emotion from whatever this situation is. And that helps. Um, I made bad decisions, but it helps when you just kind of try to take a few moments just not to react right away and just let something sit and then, okay. And then also like if, if you get into, if you make a decision, that's ultimately the wrong one, or you might potentially make the wrong decision, like don't respond. Sometimes you just need to sit on something for a day or so and then respond. So you have a different frame of mind than you did like in the moment of receiving some news or having something not go a certain way or someone reacting to something that you did, not the way that you expected. Like, Oh crap, here we go. And then you're about to get a tsunami of something negative or some, some learning lesson. So I know I'm being very vague, so I apologize, but um, I made some mistakes. Definitely. As we all have, man, as we all have, if you had to build a business from a ground up with only a hundred dollars, how would you leverage that? 
Oh my Lord. Well then relationships, you got to start with, uh, reaching out to people who have either successfully navigated that business that you're trying to enter or people who you really respect that just have a different way of thinking about things. So you just gain knowledge before you, it's like you're collecting information and you develop a plan and then you try to execute the plan versus just like jumping into something like, Oh, I can make great t-shirts. I know funny expressions. We're like, wait a second. You know, like, where are you going to print them? Like, where are you going to buy the wholesale? Like, do you know someone? And then how are you going to market them? How are you going to get people to click on that when you see it on Instagram? Do you know someone's like, I'll collect all this information. Yeah. Collect the information first and then execute a plan and then create a plan and then execute the plan. So okay. that's what I, that I would lean on the people that I know or people who I have like one degree of separation from or two degrees of separation from in order to better concoct some form of execution. For sure. Leverage your environment, immediate environment. Immediate. And then, and then I, there's like, you know, there's there people in your phone are like, you know, you don't really, th- you can't, sometimes you don't think of like who that person's connected to, but then by chance, like, you know, you're having a conversation with someone and then like, oh yeah, my uncle or, oh, I got a, I have a friend in Chicago that blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that. And then that's where you are. I mean, it's, it's so important about who you know. It's important what you know, but more important who you know in order to get access to certain things or to help you with whatever you want to uh, get done. For sure. Robert Kiyosaki says it all the time. Your, your net worth is your network. Nice. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's, that's quite poignant. Yeah. 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 Which app or online tool do you use every day to help contribute to your success? Oof, um, contribute to my success. Probably the gram, mm, YouTube or the gram. Um, cause I, I create content, right? Yeah. And like, I mean, when I started, we said videos, but now it's like content is the word. So I like to see what's being produced and, and also just like, I like to watch things that aren't necessarily in the, my same lane. Like I like, I watch a lot of tech videos. Um, and off of Instagram, you'd say, or no, that's more YouTube. So like okay. wired, I watch, um, uh, tech crunch. I just, I just want to know what other people are doing and then just like, Oh, that's a great idea. And then hating myself for not coming up with that yeah. idea. Um, and then also one, just, I want to get a sense of how my material is being received in the marketplace. If people are, if it's resonating with some, if it's not, it's like, Oh, that one didn't, that one didn't connect. Why didn't it connect? And then just like, you got to move on to the next thing. So I'd say, I'd say one of those two. It's not like a great one. Like, Oh, I, I reminders or this notepad or, or like, um, some kind of finance app. Like I don't, it's not, none of those. So my, my answers probably suck actually <laughs> for people listening to this. Like those are the most basic ones. What are you, a basic B? Like, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I am. Yeah. What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, is this the hill you're willing to die on? Mm. So, uh, a boss at Sportsnet once told me that cause we were, we were working in a, in a group where we had a lot of internal strife. So it's basically a version of pick your battles. So like, is this the hill you're willing to die on this argument, this battle, this fight, this issue? And if it is be prepared to die on it. If it's not, then let that one go. Cause there'll be another one down the road. So that was probably the most, um, the best piece of advice I got. Cause it, you know, people see, like, they only see the, the finished product. They don't, people don't see the interpersonal relationships, the interworkings of a network or a team. Even when we watch sports, we just see the, we just see the athletes compete in the field of play. 
but we have no idea what goes on in the locker room, at practice, on the plane, at the hotel, at meetings. We have no idea. So that stuff is very important to team success. Obviously, you've heard things like that, like people, you know, preach like unity and we're brothers and it's a family, that kind of stuff, but we don't know how they work internally. So when you're experiencing that, then, uh, then you're like, Oh yeah, this is, uh, I know how this feels. And I've also made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, uh, this man once told me that it's like, you know, is this the hill you're willing to die on? So yeah. Okay. That's my answer. All right. This your top three most influential books. Um, most influential books. Ooh, fast. Ooh, influential books. See these books, the books that I read don't necessarily inform my profession. And that's okay. I mean, if so, okay. So, uh, King of the World by David Remnick is about Muhammad Ali. Uh, Stupid White Men by Michael Moore and Fast Food Nation by Eric Slossinger. Those are like, um, three of my favorite books. Uh, but Malcolm Gladwell's like tipping, tipping point was influenced just in the way that he sees the world and just yeah. finds like he can extract larger. Oh man, see, I love Chuck Klosterman. Like, have you read Outliers? I've read Outliers. Yeah. 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 Um, that's a great one, obviously. Um, Klosterman. See, Klosterman's another one of these intellectuals that can uh, take a small idea and then extrapolate it into a bigger one or take a small issue or even just their uh, abilities to identify, oh, this might be something interesting to go launch into. And then all of a sudden, just making connections between two things that you wouldn't necessarily associate with each other. And I wish I had a great example from either Klosterman or Michael, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, this one might be silly, but when he, when he wrote about McDonald's and the, the beef, it was cooked in, it's cooked now in vegetable oil, but it was cooked in like beef, uh, like a beef, beef, not broth, but some kind of oil was beef based and the fries taste way better. Like who would even think of that as like, why is that? Why do the fries taste? I remember the fries tasting great in like 85 and then now 95, they don't taste as good. And McDonald's french fries are like crack cocaine and they're like so addictive. Um, but uh, just just his his natural curiosity or the curiosity of those writers, um, just I don't have that component in my brain, so I really gravitate towards them because I see the world in a different perspective. And it, all their arguments, I'm like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, they're so compelling yeah. of writers that I always end up agreeing with um, their their hypothesis and then the way that they can prove their point. Um, I know that's not like the the greatest answer as far as like what what uh, books have influenced me the most, but those are, I read those uh, parts of my life that like that really um, spoke to me. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. Oh boy. Um, geez. I don't, oh my gosh. Uh, what a great question. Um, in my business, uh, you can't intentionally create a viral video. You can't set out to create something viral because you will fail 100 times out of 100 times. The audience is fickle and the audience, it's impossible to, not impossible. It's extremely difficult to plan for an audience's reaction to a certain piece of content. And people get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, agencies, firms to like make viral content and some of it hits, a lot of it doesn't. Like, 
a few years ago, we were talking about a dress being gold or blue. Like, how stupid is that? Is it, is the Google translator saying Lauren or, yeah, uh, what was the other, was it Lauren and Laurel and whoever? Like, how, how is that even a thing? You know what I mean? And then, you know, movie studios will spend like 120 million on, uh, on The Rock, a movie called Skyscraper, which is Die Hard meets Towering Inferno. And the movie opens at 20 million. Like, they're like, okay, we have the most bankable star in Hollywood. We have, there's explosions. It's action. It's like, dude, we can't lose. Lost. So it, the, it is, it is so hard to predict the behavior of the audience. And people will try to tell you that they can. We can. And I don't know if most people disagree with that position, but working at a content factory like TSN, when we're in meetings and like, oh yeah, we want, and we want this to go viral. Like you can want it to go viral. Will it? Probably not. Cause it's so hard. You just people pouring ice on their heads, cold water, hot. I mean, it was incredible for ALS. How did that become a thing? You know yeah. what I mean? So that, that's, that's what I would say. You can't predict the behaviors of the audience as far as content goes. Maybe at Nike and Adidas and you know, the um, record company of Universal, like, okay, this, we have a formula for Taylor Swift songs. We know this works. This is going to be a hit and it is or Bieber or whatever. But for the rest of us, like, we're just shooting arrows in the dark. For sure. Even like classic example, the Shiggy, the Shiggy that. Yeah. We were talking about earlier, the In Your Feelings Challenge. That just be, you know, dropped out of a car, first of all, slowly, and then did the dance. For 25 seconds, and then that be, that just co- becomes a thing. And who knows? I'm sure other people. There are many other dances that haven't. Planking was a thing. The Dougie was a dance. Was and then like you know. But there's been so many songs, and they never became anything. And you know, it's so hard, bro. It's so hard. I hear you. Is there any last piece of advice you can leave with our listeners? Yes. If you want to get into the content game, don't worry about the number of views. And likes you get. Just work on the reps and polishing the product. Cause the audience will come, but it's just at first, like, don't get too caught up with, man, this only a hundred people saw it, you know, but those hundred people, 80 of those people could share it. And I'm like, Oh, really, really mess with it. But like, it's a bit, it's a weird thing and it's hard. Like even me, like a lot of my videos don't connect, but I'm still every week I got to deliver something else. Cause the audience, Actually, so, so there's that. And another piece of advice, which didn't come to me directly, but I heard it was, uh, Brian Burke, who was at one point the president and GM of the Toronto, Toronto Maple Leafs. He's, I believe, the president of the Calgary Flames. He once said, don't tell me about the labor pains. Just show me the baby. People don't care how hard it is to do something. They just want to see the thing. You don't care about the conditions in Vietnam for the people who are building our iPhones. We just want the iPhone. Mm. Like we don't care that it took. It takes three months and 16 hour days to make one friggin' iPhone. Like we just want the new iPhone. iPhone 11 comes out, the facial recognition, the thumbprint. That's all we want. So it's a, it's a, it's very, it's callous. I agree. But as far as like your own experience, people don't care how hard it is. They just want to see the thing. They just want to see the new thing and they want to experience the new thing. And that's kind of where we're at in, in society. So don't be too, too concerned with. Finding an audience right away, the audience will come and then don't get too caught up with how hard the thing is. Just make sure you deliver something that's legit. For sure. 
I mean, that's that's something Gary Vee says it all the time. Nobody, right, yeah. nobody cares. That's right? right. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a big proponent <laughs> of that. That's right. That's right. And how can the Purposeful Story family reach out to you or follow you on your entrepreneur journey? Man? Oh, uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter as at Cabby and Instagram at the Real Cabby. That's that's generally. And then you know, if you want to fall down a rabbit hole on YouTube, you can just like uh, just hit Cabby Presents on TSN and. There's a good, you know, four or five hours of content on there if you if you feel like it. Some podcasts there. I think too, it's a so. lot more than that, man. Well, maybe, but you know, I don't know. If if you if you want to start start there, <laughs> you're you're more than welcome to do so. Okay, thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose, because our purpose defines our actions, and our actions are a result of our purpose. Peace. That's all for this episode. I hope listening to this podcast left you with valuable information that either strengthened your purpose or helped bring you closer to finding your purpose. We all have a different journey in life, and this podcast is in support of everyone's purposeful journey. Thank you so much for tuning in, because without you, there is no Purposeful Story podcast. Please feel free to email me at info at com and let me know what you thought of this episode. To help spread the valuable information this podcast has to offer, all I ask is for you to subscribe to the podcast via the Apple Podcast app, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music, or CastBox. Give a rating and pass this podcast on to one friend that you feel could benefit from this information. Don't forget to follow I Am Kobe Talks on Instagram for updates on new episodes and go to IamKobe.com forward slash purposeful story for more valuable content. Special thanks to DJ Anna for the beats and Lala Writes for the editing. Before you go, please remember that purpose drives your actions and your actions are a result of your purpose. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.